Everything up to that was, it was emotional control, it was uh, honor, it was hard work. So there's all these other things that you can build in character, right? So character comes from this Greek word to mark, to etch. Welcome to the Man of War with Rafa Kandi. The mission of this podcast is to forge men into warriors to be transcendent leaders, protectors, and providers. You will strengthen your mindset, increase your self-confidence, and fortify your self-discipline as you become battle-ready to dominate all facets of your life. As always, listen at your own risk. Arise, a warrior, my brothers. Welcome back to the Man of War podcast. My name is Rafa Kandin. Of course, I am a man here on a mission, transforming you into a modern day warrior. My brothers, listen, we have on this release here, this podcast, we have literally one fucking month for the Men of War Crucible Group 2. We have two slots left. I'm telling you, this is a life-changing experience for men who want to step up and take it to an entirely new level. Go to menofwarcrucible.com. That's M-E-N-Crucible.com. All right, guys. So I want to express my sincere gratitude for your overwhelming support. This podcast continues to kick ass because of you. Yeah, while we have some great guests and we put out some great, great content, very powerful content, I may add, I got to tell you, it's because of you guys. No doubt. I mean, the overwhelming amount of emails, DMs, constantly that I'm getting it's like holy shit man like really these men are getting something out of what we're delivering listen I came to you two and a half years ago and I said to you this is going to be a very unique journey why because it's in a niche a very small niche of the personal development area from that segment right we're focused on forging men into warriors men that want to live lives right now like warriors right they want to live with a stronger mindset, with stronger self-confidence, and of course, with that unity of body, mind, and spirit, and be able to serve with a purpose, right? Serve with a higher purpose. That's what we're all about. And it's a movement right now. It's all over the world. And the man of war, as we are right now, where I'm recording this um, in HQ, has been growing every single month and again it is because of you guys and i'm telling you right now just the fact that we are hitting home just the fact that it's touching and feeling and people are out there understanding what we're doing here and they're finally getting a grasp of saying you know what yeah there is a lot of personal development coaches out there there's a lot of guys out there that are multi-millionaires and billionaires and talk about leadership on their companies and whatever but you know what the fact is this warriors lead the fucking charge when it comes to purpose and this is what we are all about here make no mistake speaking of warriors the conclave of warriors fort lauderdale beach florida december 14 and 15 check out this lineup we got chris cavallini mike ritland bradley craig sawyer matt sapola and yes me myself and i we're going to be fucking throwing it down in fort lauderdale beach for two days in the beautiful Ritz Carlton. Listen, we have pre-sale tickets right here, right now. All right, for just a few days, go to conclaveofwarriors.com. Grab your tickets right now because I'm telling you, this event will sell out. If you know anything about last year's Conclave, you'll understand what I'm talking about. It's been an unreal event um, and just very touching, very deep connected with our audience. And check this out. We're going to have, obviously, the main stage presentation. We're going to have breakout sessions. We're going to have a VIP party. We're going to have an inner sanctum luncheon. And, of course, we're going to have PT and self-defense on the beautiful beach, man, right there in Fort Lauderdale Beach in December in beautiful Florida. The weather is going to be 
fucking perfect. So I got to tell you, you guys need to be here. Again, conclaveofwarriors.com. If you have not done so, I'm going to ask you this right here and right now. Go to iTunes. Leave a review. So important. All right, so important because this is how we spread our message. This podcast right now has hit well over 2 million downloads and it continues trending higher. I'm just asking you guys to share it, to go leave us a review. This is how iTunes algorithm, whatever the fuck it is, this is how they calculate how good your show is doing. And based on that is how many more people can hear our message. All right, guys, listen, this podcast is a phenomenal podcast. It is very powerful. You must whip out a pen and paper. Take notes because the message here is strong as hell. See you on the other side. Dan Luna, welcome to the Man of War podcast, my brother. It is an absolute honor to have you on, man. This is great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome, man. We were talking before the podcast. This is going to be definitely a fired up one, man. Uh, some good stuff here. I'm going to let you introduce yourself for our audience. Yeah, so I guess just broadly speaking, originally from Los Angeles, California, worked for the Sheriff's Department out there for, for two years and then decided enlisting in the Navy was would be a better career choice. So enlisted in the Navy, uh, did 20 years. I was both at uh, West Coast SEAL teams and East Coast SEAL teams. Just retired in January. Now I work for a uh, business consultant company called the MFA Companies located in Boston. And I still live in Maryland, so I, I commute back and forth. Um, so that's a very, very brief summary. Awesome, awesome. Uh, and you also mentioned that you went to the Naval Academy. Let's talk a little bit about that, your time there. Yeah, so I ended up getting hurt overseas, and I was looking at medically retiring, and so I just wanted to finish up school. So the Naval Academy was ended up being a better option for me just to finish out my 20, uh, finish up my, my bachelor's degree. I ended up doing a master's degree as well. So I went there as an instructor, and that was probably one of the best tours that I'd done or that I did surprisingly, uh, just working with the midshipmen there, working with the students. Uh, I was involved in a cl in a course called Code of the Warrior. Uh, started direct uh, building some curriculum around violence, and uh, I ended up just recently contributing to an ethics book on disciplining violence. Damn, pretty good, good stuff, man. All right, so then uh, the, the consulting company that you have, what is the focus of the company? So the company is a business consulting financial advisory. So it's a boutique, uh, basically big four. So uh, Deloitte, McKenzie, KPNG, they work with privately held companies and do all the compliance work and set up that company for success. What I do with them is leader development, internal and external. Um, all my degrees are in leadership. So I have a bachelor's in leadership, uh, master's from Georgetown in leadership. And then I just finished recent. I just uh, recently finished Georgetown's leadership coaching certificate as well. So I just I offer those services uh, through the company, uh, both internal and external. And then I develop uh, leadership programs for other companies as well. That's some great stuff right there, man. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, your leadership. Uh, what's the code for you as far as leadership? How do you walk into some of these companies and boom, start teaching these um, individuals how to be leaders? What's the what's the first thing that you go out there and you teach? So, so I'm going to use this, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm laughing right now. I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, so I'm going to use a Bruce Lee quote. So Bruce Lee was talking about when he was first learning, you know, how to throw punches. And he said, you know, at first a punch was just a punch. And then as I started throwing punches, you know, I realized that a punch wasn't just a punch. And then I continued to train and train and train. And then after a while, a punch was just a punch. So, so it's this idea of you don't really know what you're doing at first. And then you start looking at it closely. And then it becomes this like special thing. And then after a while, it just becomes a part of you and it becomes natural. So 
So I look at leadership and I, I like using these physical metaphors with something like uh, leadership or courage or honor. Some of these things that are almost a non-tangible because people, it's hard for us, especially as Westerners, if it's a non-physical item for us to wrap our minds around it. So in the realm of leadership, it's the same thing, right? It, everyone has the ability to throw a punch. Everyone has the ability to be a leader. It's just going to look a little bit different for them. And so I really try and out of all my time studying it, all my time, you know, I've led teams, multiple sizes, uh, multiple cultures, international teams. So I've led teams in a lot of different arenas. And the, my biggest takeaway is that it's just, it's different for everyone. And it's like working out. The best workout program for you is a custom made one. Right. Where you sit down with a trainer and a trainer says, hey, what's your background? Where do you want to go? What are your strengths? What are your future strengths? Right. No weaknesses, not even in our language. So whatever, <laughs> what, what are our future strengths? Um, and so leadership's the same thing for me. So it's do I have my personal thing? I do. You know, and my my mantra might be oversimplified. It's just be a good dude. So for me, that's that's my that kind of keeps me on my my path. Um, and there's things that I I work on constantly, um, but it's it's customized and it's personalized to me, and then also my needs at that time. Gotcha. All right. So talk to me a little bit about teams that you've had to lead, um, and uh, for the most part, I mean, you know, you mentioned that these. Uh, leadership skills, you got to kind of uh, cultivate them and make them individual. But when you have a team, isn't that a little bit difficult to, to really make it individual for each person, especially if you have a team of maybe 10, 12 guys? So that's the, those are some of the, the complexities of leadership. Leader, being a leader is one of the most difficult and stressful things that I've ever done. And I'll hear, and I've heard other people that are like, oh, it's amazing, it's easy, it's this. And I, I almost question it. Um, maybe it's more natural to them. Um, just like meeting people and you have extroverts and introverts. So that might be a com component of sure. it. For me, I try, I really try and hold the way I visualize it in my mind is if I have a team of six, I'm looking at them as an individual. So I'm trying to raise up, right? So it's always about strengthening the group, strengthening the team. I try and raise up each individual. So there's, and each mm -hmm. person is different. Like one may have different experience. Right. One might have personal things going on, right? One might have different strengths that they bring. So to look at, each team member as a, its own individual unit and trying to raise them up mm -hmm. and and adapt to them and serve them. Mm -hmm. So so now as you're sitting mm -hmm. there trying to raise them up, you also have to look at the group holistically. So take everything in mm -hmm. and make sure everyone is aligned with the mission. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that, definitely being a leader is not as easy as what people think. I mean, especially when, you know, high priority teams and things that have to get done in one slip or one fault could cause lives. Um, definitely, uh, that's a totally different perspective than, you know, saying running a company. Um, because when you're talking about life and death, I mean, you know, the, the cards are on the table there. You slip up and, and uh, it could cost someone their lives for sure. So that's a, that's a great that's a great point and a great distinction. So now we're talking about pressure. And so difference in pressure. And so what I've noticed being in, in the military and even prior law enforcement, and I still have worked close with law enforcement over the years, and now being in the corporate sector, there's levels of pressure. And so almost everything surrounds pressure. Right. So if there's even for this, you know, the podcast speaking of men and warriors, it's it's all relative to pressure. There's very little pressure on this society. So there's not really a need for our men to be strong men. 
So for our men to be strong men, they have to want it. They have to pressurize themselves. They have to volunteer themselves to go do something hard by just that pressure naturally being there. For warriors at the Naval Academy, there's no need for it. There's very little pressure. For people to have like this sense of family and strong team in the corporate sector, mm-hmm. there's the pressure there isn't the same pressure as there is in a SEAL team. So their idea of family and team is just going to look different and it's based off really the level of pressure that's on them. So just that's once again, just something that I I've noticed and I'm still kind of playing with. You know, that that's a great point. And you know, one of the things that, that we focus here on, on man of war is, yeah, there is a distinction. Okay. There's a distinction between, you know, a warrior that goes out there in battle, a real physical battle and a warrior um, that is at home, you know, or in the business world. Um, there, there, there is a distinction. However, um, there's still warriors in my book, you know what I'm saying, at a different level, but people that go out there and are doing the right thing and, and that are serving for a higher purpose, you know, that is the essence of, in my opinion, of leadership, of warriorhood. And, uh, you know, going back to saying, you know, you, you, you made it through buds, I mean, that was definitely a, a time where you had that rites of passage. My question here is this, and, and I've asked this before, but I don't think it has been answered um, completely. So I'm, kind of, I'm going to put you a little bit on the hot seat here. Me as an instructor in the police academy, I have seen the cadets, the recruits that come through the police academy, um, come in at a lower level mentally, um, and they're softer across the board. There is no doubt that... Uh, even five, six, seven years ago, the recruits that were coming through the police academy were harder. Even the police academy itself has become softer. Have you seen that in the SEAL teams? Have you seen that in the military? Yes. Um, and so so it's kind of a few reasons or a, a few reasons for this on that. And. My brothers, just a quick break in the action here. Are you ready to step it up to that next level? Are you ready to start strengthening your mindset, your self-confidence, and start connecting your body, mind, and spirit, and overall living with a purpose, with a meaning? Let me tell you something. You got to go to the Men of War Crucible, get on board here, and get initiated into the Men of War Society, which is composed of a brotherhood of elite warriors that have graduated from the man of war crucible and i gotta tell you all right it is an unbelievable society an unbelievable group of brothers now to get through this and initiated into this you must first graduate from the man of war crucible group two right now is slated for august 14th through the 18th there are two spots available it is a five-day event Go to Men of War Crucible, that's mencrucible.com, and put in your application. It'll be the most powerful thing you've ever done in your life, hands down. Now back to the action. And it has to do with pressure. So I go, I go back to pressure. Uh, and just real quick, when I was talking about the pressure and the, the need for it, I, was, I absolutely agree with you. You don't have to have the occupation of a soldier to be a warrior. You don't have to have the occupation of a law enforcement to be a warrior. To me, you know, a warrior is a mindset. Um, so I, I, I agree with you 100% on that. So for what you just asked, it's, it goes back to pressure. And, and I've heard people put a, a morality on it. And they say, oh, these, mo- I'll pick on millennials because that's an easy one. They're like, oh, these millennials or these young people are weak or their their mindset. So there's multiple answers to questions. Right? It's never just, hey, this is the answer. There's different answers. You may have a more correct answer. So if we were to look at a scale, so it's the law of polarity. If you have negative and positive, if positive exists, negative must also exist. So if we if we bag on this younger generation and make fun of them. We're not really lifting them up. And now if we examine it and say, hey, how did this happen? How did this come to fruition? 
And I think it's actually a testament to how blessed we are in this country. We have so much. We have so we we have such abundance and we've been so blessed that our men don't have to be men, that our kids don't even have to grow up to be adults. And you look at it and in the leadership realm, they call it advanced adolescence. How can our 30 year olds still live at home? You know, somebody in their late 20s and 30s, maybe a few years ago, they had to be on their own. They were forced and it was all relation to pressure. But right now, like we have, like our country is so amazing that just the few that we have, just the 1% that serve in the military still provide that, that, uh, that level of comfort for the rest of our society to live in such a way that we live that we don't have to be, you know, training doesn't have to be that hard or we can have these young people come in and say like, do we have to do that? Like, that's really hard. And is it their fault? Is it society's fault? Whose fault is it? And I, I don't think it's anyone's fault. And now you have to kind of work through that and, and now you're working with other complexities to try and raise them up. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, from a, a law enforcement perspective, um, I could tell you that when you're out there uh, seeing and confronting the evil uh, in our homeland, um, it, is, uh, it is a difficult job for police officers um, to, to go out there. Um, it, the stress and the pressure that you're talking about is at a magnitude that I will tell you that it, um, in my years of being a cop, it, it, it's at this point, it is a much higher level of stress that the officer, especially the, the road officer has. There are so many hats they have to wear, so many hats. I mean, you could be a psychologist solving a kid's problem to then you know breaking up a domestic, to then going to a shots fired call, uh, to then you know dealing with a major car accident. I mean, you have so many things on your plate. So going back to being soft, I think that I think, you know, I agree with you. I think that, you know, the, that first line um, offers a so, sort of a comfort level for everybody else. You know, our soldiers, our first responders, you know, they are that, that first line, you know. However, you know, with that said, I find an issue with that. I find a, 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 a very strong issue, and that is because... There will be a time, I believe, that people can no longer rely on that 1% and that 2%. Because what happens then is, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me here, and we can you know, go back and forth on this for a little bit. What happens is then that the quality that's going into that 1%, into that 2%, you know, the first responders and soldiers of this country, is going to be lesser and lesser and lesser. And, you know, I hate to say that, and I'm hoping that that's not the case, but from a parent's perspective, I really believe that parents have to take an issue with this and have to start changing, uh, reframing their thought process and, and raising their kids to be a little bit tougher. Um, you know, this fourth, fifth, fa you know, fifth, sixth place trophies in my world, that doesn't fly. Nowadays, it's okay. Um, you know, everybody's a winner. So let's kind of reroute re this a little bit. What's your take on that, on everybody as a winner, as long as you participate? Yeah, so I don't, I don't disagree with what you said as far as the, um, some, some negative aspects potentially with, uh, with strength diminishing, uh, that everyone's a winner, yeah, not a fan. So that goes, that ties into, uh, Western rites of passage, right? So, if you look at if you look at warriors, right? So at the Naval Academy, there's a, a course called Code of the Warrior. So we would study the samurai, we would study the Zulu, we would study, you know, the Viking called the Romans, the Spartans. So we would look at the Highlander. We would look at all these different uh, Native Americans, different tribes, different cultures. However, when we studied the warrior we always looked at the raising of the warrior. And just for, uh, for sake of for this conversation, I'll use the men, right? So how are, how are the young men raised 
in a in that culture in that society and then how did that play into them becoming a warrior so it's normally a feeder system for for the boys hey if you're a boy you're gonna you're gonna go do this thing most likely or depending on your class so for our our society we'll look at the first responder or we'll look at the military vet however we we skip that part of how we raising our young folks to now be that feeder system into it so what makes sense right we're we're not a uh, interdependent culture we're an independent culture so how do we raise our kids in our society to strengthen them to prepare them to give to go through those rights right as you go through that right to prepare for warriordom and in our society it's sports so sports is our best mechanism that we i believe that we use in our society because I, I call it ae artificial environment everyone talks about ai i talk about <laughs> ae so we create awesome. an yeah. artificial environment of pressure whether it's in the pool on the track on the field in the ring, on the mat, whatever it is, it's pressurized. And so what we don't, what we miss, and I even talk to coaches about this, we miss our opportunity to capitalize and pressurize. They're pressurized. We're not necessarily teasing out the right things. All we're concerned about is the hand being raised or the hand not being raised. Hey, did you win or did you lose? And there's so much more to capture during sports, then, hey, did you win or did you lose? Hey, you did, you lost, so you get mm -hmm. a trophy, you don't get a trophy. My son's 14, mm -hmm. and we just started talking about winning. Right? Everything up to that was, it was emotional control, it was uh, honor, it was hard work. So there's all these other things that you can build in character, mm -hmm. right? So character comes from this Greek word to mark, to etch, um, so now as that, as that young person is going through a sport for parents to look at it and as they, you know, those kids get emotional, how do they prep for it? So what is it even like before that, before they go into the arena, what is their mindset? And so now it's such a great opportunity to have questions. How do they deal with stress? How do they deal with failure? You know, how do they deal with winning? You know, how do they deal with these things that's going to transfer over into into their life as they become adults and they're marking, they're burning those repetitions. So they're forming their character at a young age. And we and we miss so much during that time as they're going as they're doing their. Interesting. That's a that's a, uh, a different way of looking at it. Um, I, I think I, I agree with you here. I think sports are important for kids, and, and uh, I think that's how they uh, can understand some stress. They could understand some competition. Um, and the fact that you didn't speak to your son, you know, until recently about winning, that, that's awesome. Emotional control, self-control, you know, understanding honor, understanding, uh, um, you know, courage under fire. I mean, that's, that's huge in my book. Um, you know, I have, you know, I have four kids. Uh, one of them is 13 and, uh, you know, that's my struggle with him, having him understand that, uh, just getting into, uh, winning right now before it was just go out there, play, you know, he's big into basketball, um, and, uh, play and do your best. You know, winning will come later. You'll hone your, your, your skill set as the more time you put in, the more, you know, so that, that's a great outlook. Now, with that said, Dan, um, let's talk a little bit about when kids are growing up. You know, you mentioned especially, you know, the Spartan culture is known for that where, you know, they take kids literally from the mother's arms and they start honing them for battle, right? Um, it, is, is there a time and a place where you push your kids beyond maybe their their limits, get them uncomfortable, get them dirty. In other words, have them experience fear, have them experience levels of anxiety that maybe they're not used to. I mean, as a parent, that that's difficult because I know that as much as I want to do it with my kids, sometimes I, I it, it's hard for me. Great question. And, and I, I already know that there's different trains of thoughts out there. 
um, with this. What I would say is, so I, so I'm, I'm plugged into the Sayoc community. So I know you're into into martial arts. So they're a um, they're a Filipino-based system, and I've done a lot of work with Sayoc Tactical Group, and specifically Tuhan is their uh, is the title. So Tuhan Tom, and him and I just talked about this the other day, and we we're talking about training and pressurizing people. I agree, and I love what he said. And he he shoots for that eighty percent mark. So right around 80%, and then there it kind of ebbs and flows during that. There's times where you back off. So almost like working out, right? So to plug it into physical terms, you don't always right. train to fail, right? You can if there's purpose behind it. Hey, I want to miss a rep, or I want to do this thing. There is, there is space for it. However, that's not your normal training regime when you're working out. Typically, right? If you look at more most workout systems, they'll, they'll take you right to the point, and then there's kind of like a rest recovery time, and it's this, this ebb and flow. So with that 80%, and that's where we go into knowing teams, right? So if I'm as a coach or whether I'm in the corporate environment, whatever my environment is, if I'm the coach, if I'm the leader of that, to understand each individual within that, that team or group, because I might be able to pressurize one person more than I can pressurize somebody else. So to have to have the wherewithal to track the amount of pressure that I'm putting on them and then also what they're able to handle. Makes sense. Makes sense. Good stuff right there. All right, so let's switch hats a little bit. Um, as far as going out there in the real world, okay, as far as business, okay, and uh, entrepreneurship, um, you know, starting off businesses. Um, what kind of mindset do you believe it takes to be really successful in business nowadays? Oh man, this is this is a tough question for me right now. So I'm I'm in transition. So I just retired out of the military uh, this past January. I've been in the the business realm for like two days. I've <laughs> I've learned. I've learned so much. The company that I'm with right now has has been patient. They've been great, um, and I'm just I've been very fortunate to find a company that has a CEO that supported me like he has, and then my bosses support me like they have. Honestly, it for me the biggest thing is just is being patient. Is not you know at least coming from the military realm and trying to look at things from a different perspective. And patience and perspectives that that for me is and, and that's why I brought up that answer like, hey, this is how this person reacted to that. I'm not going to react to how they reacted. I'm just going to be patient. Think about their perspective. Um, I think I, things in the SEAL teams were more giving. Right. I could walk up to a guy and be like, hey, what the fuck, man? You know, I could say that I could have this open dialogue in a business. <laughs> I can't walk up to somebody, you know, and say that thing or walk into somebody in the SEAL teams and like, hey, you and I have an issue. Let's go put on gloves or let's go, you know, and have almost be like more of your true self. So for me in business, mm -hmm. as much as like it is so much more control, emotional control and even uh, control over my mind. So I, I don't think I answered your question. For me, it's it's I'm in that that weird space of transition. So that those are some of the things that I am just struggling with, and just working through. And it's not, and it's for the better, right? I'm just I'm becoming, I am growing as a as an individual through this transition. How has the transition been for you? I mean, has it been difficult or has it been pretty smooth? Oh man, it's been uh, it's been tough, and uh, I would say when I left the the East Coast team that I was at, and I got to the Naval Academy, I compared it to you might as well have sent me to Mars. <laughs> it, it and that sounds extreme, but I went from doing one thing extreme on on one side, and then going 
to some place and then, you know, shaving every day. I had a beard. I wore civilian clothes. I always had weapons on me. So to go from that life to uh, being in uniform, shaving twice a day at times, everyone's looking at you. It was just and, – and now going from what I used to do, which I felt like had strong purpose, and I had to find a new purpose when I got to the Naval Academy. So it was really tough. And now I'm as I go into business, same thing, looking and finding for that, pur- that purpose. And, and what I found is it's st- I still value strength and I still value service. And I valued those two things in the SEAL teams. I valued those things when I was an instructor at the Naval Academy. And now that I'm out in the corporate sector, I still value that as part of my being. It shows up in my doing. It just looks different kind of through each one of those phases. Very good. Interesting. Good stuff, man. All right. So let's talk a little bit about discipline and how you have applied that and what you learned through BUDS and and through your years in the military and how have you applied that to modern day to, to where you are right now in your life? So, so discipline (laughs) <laughs> so disciplines like leadership, it shows up differently at different times. Um, right now I'm at a phase in my life. I'm at a season where I'm in this almost like healing and recovery phase. Um, so I give myself space and I give myself, I, I am patient with myself and I'll sleep in. And this may, <laughs> and I know this may not be what you want to hear. I'm just, I'm being honest. And I feel like my body just from my past has just been so beat down and run down that I almost need that like rest and recovery phase period in my life to recharge that battery. And now I'm starting to feel that battery recharge and I'm just trying to be more in tuned with, you know, my heart, my mind and my spirit. And it's telling me, Hey, rest. And so I'm resting. And now it's like, oh man, I feel good. I'm taking time for myself. And just by me taking time being, and that in itself has required, I would almost say more discipline to take care of myself because for years it's been selfless, selfless. Yourself is, you know, you're last, you're always last. So doing that for Mm -hmm. so long and ignoring myself for so long I ignored injuries, I ignored pain. And so my performance was actually diminishing because I was being so, so giving. So now it's like almost a swing in that to take the time to take care of me because the stronger I am, then the more strict, then the, then the more capacity I have to help others. So I'm kind of in that weird space of recovery right now. And then getting ready to move back out and start like, okay, you've taken your break. You're feeling good. Now it's time to slowly climb back up. Do you have structure in your life in the sense that, you know, work, sleep, you know, um, are you married? I am so married. Yeah. I have two two kids. Two kids. Okay. So family time in that. I mean, is, is there a way that you structure this time? Even now that you consider your off time or your downtime, your recovery time, um, you still seem to be a pretty busy guy. I am. Uh, I'm definitely a worker. I've, <laughs> I've been a firm believer in hard work. Um, I do have some structure. And it's, I try and, and it shows up in small ways. So being on this thing, being on your phone all the time. So just noticing other people constantly on the phone. And so that transferred over that, that, strong work ethic. So I'm actually trying to be more disciplined. Uh, and I'm using the, the phone as a specific example to, to work on presence. So if I'm, if I'm with, whether it's a client at lunch or if I'm at home with my family, if I'm having a conversation, I'm in that conversation and I'm being respectful. I'm giving them my full attention. So that's something that I'm currently working on. And, and, um, trying to discipline and it's a to me it's a sign of respect it's working on my own personal presence i'm listening to them and then taking that time to 
hey, I'm not going to send that email at, at midnight. Hey, I checked my emails from this time to this time. And even more disciplined with work. And what that what that gives me is now more or, or better quality time with my family. Because I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about email. Just I'm able to kind of take off one hat and put on the other hat by trying mm-hmm. to bounce back and forth. And so it's allowing uh, better quality time with them. I still travel a lot. Um, so it's, Hey, the time that I I do have with them, I want to make sure that it's quality. Very good. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what it means to you when we connect our body, mind, and spirit, being that you studied the code of the warrior, um, and you know, you've studied the warrior cultures. Uh, what does that mean to you? So I love the word holistic. So it's this. It's this wholeness. Uh, the Greeks had a word for excellence, and their definition of excellence, I don't even want to try to pronounce it because I'll, I'll slaughter it. Their idea of excellence, at least one of the definitions out there, is essentially like bringing your whole self, maximizing your person, your being. And so part of that is um, in our culture, we break things down. So for I'm going to jump around here for a little bit to – I, hopefully to, to give you the best answer for this. So academics is really good at pulling things apart. Like they'll pull things apart and they'll dissect things and they'll study it. They'll study leadership. They'll study management. They'll study teams. They'll study uh, personalities. They'll study character. They'll study philosophy. They'll study history, right? So academics like pulls these things. And as you move up the academic ladder, you know, the PhD, the dissertation, it becomes very specific. What academia forgets is that all these things go back together and create a whole. So it is the same thing with this, I call it this carcass that we move around in. It is this whole, it's this whole person. So it is my religion, my personal beliefs, my philosophy, you know, my mindset, you know, my my heart, my emotions, people are like, you know, fuck your emotions. Okay, that's an answer. However, there are other answers. Is that part of the human experience is emotional experience, right? So why would I ignore it? Or why would I not listen to somebody else's? So we have our, we have our thoughts, our mind, we have our heart, our emotions, and then we have our gut and our intuition, right? So these are three, three minds that even neuroscience is looking at. And they call it our three different minds as we move forward. So how can we have a deeper connection with that? How can we have a deeper connection with ourselves? So as we enter the world and as we move forward, we bring our best version of ourselves forward. Do you do any type of meditation? I do. I do. Um, so I'll do, I'll do, I would say, so there's different types of meditation. I'll do some movement meditation. Normally that's with a blade. And I'll, I'll do that with a live blade. I'll do uh, your standard, I guess, breathing meditation just to, to manage my body. And then I'll, I also consider prayer uh, meditation as well. So I'll spend time just deep in my own thoughts uh, with my personal connection and pray. How important do you think it is to, to redirect the energy inside and explore yourself and to be able to, to connect with yourself and have that inner peace, that inner clarity? Oh, I think it's, I think it's huge. And, I, and it is, I believe it is so missed. It is, I don't think enough of us and, and I don't think enough of us do it. And just to even take the time to notice, you know, so I know that when my, lo- my legs start shaking, it's, I'm thinking about something else. And so it shows up in my leg. So that either that anxiety or anticipation. So my mind, even though my body is in this position, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm present. Our minds can travel. I can be in the future. I can think about work later on today. Our mind can travel to the past. I can be thinking about past events, right? So now it shows up. The body doesn't lie. So what shows up externally is a direct reflection of what's going on internally. So for us to have a deeper connection and to start asking those questions of, hey, what's going on inside? 
hey, I, and not put a morality on it. Oh, this is bad. This is good. Just be like, oh, wow. To come from a place of curiosity, vice judgment, and just notice what's going on internal, right? So if I'm going to go speak to a group, I'll notice my heart is pounding. And I'll be like, oh, wow, what's going on with that? It's like, oh, well, you're nervous. Okay, why are you nervous? Did you do the things that you needed to do? Did you prepare? You know, I'm big on the SEOC awareness formula or readiness formula. You know, is your awareness there? Is your preparedness there? Is your um, uh, willingness, awareness, and preparedness? Are those factors there? So are you ready to show up? And it's like, yes, it's there. Okay, so now you're just nervous because you're getting ready to stand up in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I can keep going. I'll pause there. <laughs> all right. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, self-reflection, meditation and all that, um, there, there is a sense of, of being one and being here right now, right? Um, there is a word, uh, a kanji, uh, mushin, right? In Japanese being the state of no mind, being present wherever you are. Um, do you think that a lot of people out there in this society, in this world, miss the presence uh, for the present? Uh, in my opinion, just my two cents, I believe wholeheartedly that people are constantly living on tomorrow or they're living on yesterday and they're forgetting today the present moment that they're in. Um, that's, uh, that's bad. That, that's not good because you miss your life it goes right by you and you never can get back this present moment. What's your take on that? Yeah, I love what you said. Um, and it's, so we're always practicing something, right? So it's to bring that awareness and say, what are you practicing in this moment in time? And so once again, to bring that mind, that mind back to that present moment and to ask that question internally of like, Hey, what am I practicing right now? How do I listen? Am, am I listening? How do I listen? Do I have open body language when I listen or am I closed off? So how do I listen? So, so in that present mind, so you, you mentioned uh, no mind, right? To have that, that clearness. And there's philosophies and religions surrounded around this, right? So if you look at stoicism, a stoic would say indifferent, right? Like it's some stoicism in one word. If I were to look at Buddhism, I'd say detachment, right? So all these things are a releasing of uh, maybe things within the society, our society that would bear us down. So to have this mindset to where we're able to accept kind of on this, on this spectrum, both the positive and the negative, to accept everything on that scale and to let it go. And just to move forward and to move forward with with your whole self. I would say there are some strengths to, to looking at some of the other time domains. So to spend time, but consciously spend time in the future, right? So if we're planning, if we're looking at future events, if we're talking about vision, if we're talking about the, the direction that we're going, so to sit there and consciously say, hey, I want to project, I want to think about the future. And then to also stop and pause and turn around and look at the past. And to look at the past and reflect on the past, on lessons learned. And normally there's gratitude. There's gratitude, right? So there's different, there are different answers to that. Some people will look at the past and therapies involved. And there's no more, you know, I don't want to say that's a bad thing. I've spent you know, 15 years of combat, I've spent my, my decent amount of time with, with uh, people helping me out. But to look to the past and to reflect and be like, man, like think about where you're at right now. Like you're running a podcast, like you're doing all this stuff, you're strengthening men. Everything you're, from your past, you embody is part of you. It's in your carcass. And as you move forward, all those events, you know, that have, that have brought you to where you're at today, and if you put a morality on like, oh, that was bad or this thing happened, you may not have the strength that you have today mm -hmm. to expose yourself, you know, to have this podcast, to be out there like you are, and regardless of whatever people, you know, there's always the naysayers, you're still moving forward. Absolutely. And you've taken everything from the past and you use it as a strength. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, um, I hear you loud and clear. I think that if you take the time to reflect on your past 
and uh, visualize your future. I'm big into visualization, no doubt. Um, as long as you are doing it consciously, um, and that is absolute, and not missing the moment because you're just all over the place. I agree with you 100% on that. I think that's crucial. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, we talk about mindset. We, we talk about that warrior mindset, um, that mental toughness. Did you have that prior to going into the SEAL teams, or was it something that you learned uh, over in BUDS? <laughs> I think it's a little bit of, I think it's both, right? So it's going back to developing the warrior. You're looking at somebody's, how they grew up, right? So, so there's aspects of my childhood that, that developed that and part of my personality, right? Psychology, nature, and nurture. I think it's, it's both. So those things were, were there. What buds did was just refine it was just tease it out, was force you to, to pick, hey, am I going to keep going or am I not, right? And so, to, so I think what it did is it took what was already there and it just developed it and took it to another level. Got it. Yeah, that make, makes total sense. You know, it just kind of gave you that extra boost. What do you think that you learned the most as a SEAL that you can carry in your life right now? Give me three things three things that I learned the most, um, how to deal with pain, uh, both physical and emotional. And, um, you know, so as soon as you ask that question, I don't, uh, you know, I think of, I've lost a lot of friends over the years. And so there's almost for me, when I reflect back, I've gained so much from the SEAL teams. I've gained uh, who I am as a man. You know, I've had so many strong, I didn't really have a strong father figure growing up. So to go into the SEAL teams and to have, to be around strong men and almost in a later time in my life to learn what that looked like and what it was. So, so my manhood, uh, how to deal with failure and uh, or I say failure, how to deal with loss, how to deal with really just just hardship and um, pressure. How do you deal with pressure? So to be overseas, to be on operations that are, are you know, POTUS, presidential level operations, to have a team where I would sit there and I'd worry at night if, hey, did I do everything in my power if we were attacked? where everyone in the team who wasn't mostly well, and some teams weren't all seals there's civilians there's support their computer people have I and we're in dangerous area have I done everything in my power to make sure that they're successful if we're attacked that I'm keeping them alive right that's a huge responsibility somebody else's life am I doing that so I think dealing with those things so pressure what I say pressure uh failure, loss, and then and also my manhood, being around strong men. Those were, for, for this moment, that's, those are my answers. Awesome. All right, what is your definition of a modern-day warrior? Protects her tribe. It is the same. I think that's just the, the, the easiest, simplest, modern-day past. You protect your tribe. However that shows up, It'll sh it may show up differently for each person. Right? For a mom at home, you know, it may show up differently if she's looking out for somebody, you know, for cars or the safety of their children, uh, for a father, whatever it is, or somebody who's in, you know, maybe law enforcement protecting their community, somebody in the military that's their country. So, so the doing is going to show up differently. The being is still that of. Hey, these are these are my people. This is my tribe. This is my team, and I'm going to protect them. Very good, and good, good, powerful words right there. All right, for listeners, where can they follow you on social media? Um, do you have a website, anything like that? So I do a lot of stuff on Instagram. I have Instagram. I have LinkedIn. I have Facebook. I do. Um, I'm do more stuff on Instagram. That's just Dan P Luna. Um, I just recently contributed. A, uh, a chapter in an ethics book and uh so it's the book is military virtues it's 
published by Howgate. Um, I have a bunch of other things that I'm working on as well uh, that I mentioned to you before. So the there's a lot of PTA. So there's the event, and then a lot of the research out there is is after the event, right? So um, I've done some work with law enforcement of hey, there's a there's a shooting, and then afterwards we're then having the conversation about the shooting. So that's that's very reactive. What I'm trying to develop is something that's more proactive. So prior to the event, um, there's a lot of, and this is almost a, a separate conversation, is violence bad? You know, and, and what I used to tell the, the students, I was like, hey, you guys realize, and I'd ask the students that in the classroom, like, hey, raise your hand if you think violence is bad. Most of the time, most of the class would raise their hand. It's like, hey, you guys realize that when you put on a uniform and when you commission, and you're in the military, that you're either supporting or participating in acts of violence. So if violence is bad, are you bad? Right? So it just teases out some of the rhetoric around violence. And I think some of the rhetoric mm-hmm. out there is, is really unhealthy to our first responders, to those in the military. They grow up, we're raising our warriors, telling them violence is bad. Mm-hmm. And violence, it, it just is it's a it's a tool it's a thing what you do with that thing in lies its morality it can be used for bad it can be also used for good same thing with a gun you can use a gun to protect to defend to you know for for honor in an honorable way so it's a law of morality if if honor exists then dishonor and shame must also exist right so if there's a if there if violence is bad what does good look like so to really tease that out and to open up the dialogue, and there's so much taboo around it, you know. So for law enforcement, I actually did a thing with uh, uh, in law enforcement a few weeks ago, and I, I I told the guy I was like, hey, I'm gonna ask this question just so you know um, if anyone's killed anyone, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm like I I have a method to the madness, and so I I was in the room, I was talking, and I was like, hey, has anyone killed anyone? And of course, the emotional response from the room. And I was laughing. I was like, that's why that's why we're going to talk about this, because what people do is they don't know how to deal with it. And yet they walk around with guns strapped to their side every day. And we don't talk mm-hmm. about the So mentally, we're missing. We're really good in physical training, but military law enforcement, you know, we're really good in the physical realm. And we're, we're dropping the non-physical realm, which is part of the mindset. So we're missing a huge component of the mindset training by not having these conversations. And what, is, what, what do these conversations look like? You know, there's uh, the one law enforcement agent, I think down in Florida, who didn't, he's looking at being charged, who didn't go into school when there was a school shooting. So he was outside, heard the shooting, and here's probably some dude that was retired, was like, oh, I'm going to take this cake job at a school, but I'm still going to have a gun on my hip, right? So he right. didn't fully accept. He wasn't fully aware. He wasn't fully prepared. He wasn't fully willing to do the job that he may have had to do. And so he went into it not ready and not prepared, and he didn't go in. So he failed in his job. Right. So now how can we better train? So this almost goes back to our first or the beginning of this conversation. Hey, we have these young folks growing up and we need to take, bring them up to this next level. However, they have no relationship with violence. They have no relationship with life and death. They have no relationship with these things. And we need to develop a healthy relationship with them in these things so they can understand how to deal with that world, that dark world, if you will. And how to face it and how to face it in a healthy way. So you look at look at PTSD right now in the military, you know, 22 vets and the suicide rate, all the issues that we're having. Does the Taliban have that issue? Does Al Qaeda, you know, does Al Shabaab have those? Do they have PTS? Hmm. You know, interesting. I would argue that they don't. They don't because the role of the observer from the child, they're seeing it and it's their way of life. It's integrated. So those things aren't shocking. It's not this massive event for us. Once again, we're so blessed in our country. We have so much that if somebody is around a traumatic event, all of us were like, oh, my goodness, even in our language, that must have been horrible. 
oh, that must have been so terrible to have done that. It's like, no, it was just the guy was a scumbag and he was about to do this thing. So I had to do this thing. It was actually a very honorable deed and I protected these people. So there's a lot Great of stuff right there, man. Yeah. Sorry. I can, I can keep going on and on about this, but. No, that's good, man. That's good. Listen, Dan, it's been an amazing conversation, no doubt, man. You're a wise dude, and uh, you have it all straight, you know, pretty much squared away. I love that, man. You're, you're out there. You're, you're helping others. You're speaking from, the, from your heart, and that's important. Um, we would love to have you back on this show, no doubt about it, man. Awesome. Thank you. I love being on. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Stay safe out there. All right. Talk soon. An awesome conversation with Dan Luna. I hope that you took some notes here because in reality, like I tell you time in and time out, you can go out there day in and day out and listen to every fucking podcast. We're like at 120 something on this one. Listen, if you don't integrate and apply what you learn here to your life, you're just not doing a damn thing. So make sure you take notes and start integrating some of these elements into your life. They will change you, guaranteed. All right, guys, group two, men of war crucible. You must be there. Prepare yourself for the most powerful experience of your life, hands down. Go to menofwarcrucible.com and put in your application today. Your life may be challenging and full of dangers, but never retreat. Your last battle may be your greatest victory.